Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens, and it is great to be with you tonight. We've got a big show lined up for you. So let's get after it. You know, for most Americans, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax is in the rearview mirror as they walk into the voting booth. And of course, it's been nearly nine months since the president of the United States, for only the third time in American history, was impeached by a Democrat Congress. That, too, has been long forgotten by most Americans. After all, 2020 has been a wild year marked by months of violence and lawlessness, a worldwide pandemic, the closure of businesses, the forced closure of churches, the political suppression of basic American freedoms, big tech censorship, and now a hotly contested presidential election. But on the eve of another election, it's important to remember the forces on the left and in the swamp and in the mainstream media who tried to overturn your vote and how they did it. You'll all remember that the basis of the Trump-Russia collusion hoax was the accusation that President Trump worked with the Russians to beat Hillary Clinton. We now know, of course, that this was a hoax. It was a deliberately fabricated lie. And it was a lie we now know that was started by the Hillary Clinton campaign. Take a listen. It was, it was a basically our working theory that the Clinton campaign had devised these sick fantasies to cover up for her 33,000 emails that she deleted. And she probably thought that the Russians or some nefarious actor had those and could dump them. And most likely there was probably a lot of damaging information. Uh, the Clinton campaign would clearly be communicating with the mainstream media throughout 2016. And they continued to have these stories about Trump and Russia, Trump and Russia, Trump and Russia, Trump and Russia. Then fast forward to the fall of 16 and serious criminal leaks leak out about how the FBI had opened an investigation uh, into Trump and the famous October 31st, that's the, I call it the Halloween story, uh, <laughs> right. comes out. Um, clearly that was a massive leaks of classified information. So it becomes clear that Steele's not the author of these dossiers. They were trying to tie Trump uh, to these nefarious Russian figures with these proto-dossiers. So we knew that that was the case. We knew this is what the, the, the Clinton campaign was playing, an October surprise, dirty trick, um, tie Trump, whatever we're doing, which is you know playing games with Russians, like what Hunter Biden was doing, getting three and a half million dollars from a Russian oligarch uh, in Moscow. So accused Trump of doing the same thing. That's, that's what they did. It's, it's the old uh, left-wing uh, playbook. And what you heard there is what every investigation found. It's what the FBI found. And, you know, the president was fully exonerated. How do you know? Because the mainstream media stopped talking about it. But as soon as the Trump-Russia collusion hoax collapsed, what happened? The Democrats in the House went after the president and impeached him over Ukraine. Well, none of that stuck either. 
But what is of interest to many Americans is the clear and convincing testimony of the Biden family's business partners, Hunter Biden's emails and text messages, and the growing body of clear evidence that the Biden family made millions of dollars, all coming from foreign sources, while Joe Biden served in the Obama administration. Now, when you look back at this, it's clear that the media failed the American people. They put up wall-to-wall -wall coverage night after night. They talked about Russia and then impeachment. Do you remember this? Breaking news. A bombshell. Today is a turning point. Today was historically bad for President Trump. Today was a turning point. A turning point. We're at a turning point here. The beginning of the end for the Trump presidency. We have another bombshell. Mike Pence might have to assume the office of the presidency. Rumblings of the word impeachment. Breaking news. Another bombshell out of the White House. I believe this is the beginning of the end. I do too. It's really the beginning of the end. He may be feeling the walls closing in on him. All the walls closing in on him. The walls closing in in on him. Breaking news, a new bombshell. One astrologer says this means the beginning of the end for President Donald Trump. Trump will resign. Trump is going to resign. Is this the tipping point? I know we've said it over and over. You think this is a tipping point? And over and over. This is a tipping point. And over and over. Breaking news, President Trump off the rails. It was the beginning of the end today. The beginning of the end. Breaking news tonight, new bombshell. This is the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The walls are closing in. The walls closing in. The walls closing in. Breaking overnight bombshell. This is a very dramatic day and I think it might be near a tipping point. Do you think this is a tipping point? December 1st, 2017, you can mark it down. This is the day that everything changed. The beginning of the end? Beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. We begin tonight with a bombshell. Donald Trump is in a lot of trouble. Trump is in trouble. The president will resign. Another hour, another bombshell. This is a tipping point. Trump's going down. This president could be impeached. Resignation. Resignation. I don't think this president is going to serve out his term. Mr. Trump will not serve out his term. He will not serve out his term. It's over. The wall's closing in. The wall's closing in. This is going to be the Achilles Hill. Breaking news tonight. I expect Trump to depart. This week will be the watershed week. Trump is in big trouble. Trump's in a lot of trouble. It's a sign of a terrified old man who feels the walls closing in. The walls are increasingly closing in on him. Tonight, the walls are closing in. Today changed everything. This is the beginning of the end. Today, the big tipping point for the Trump administration. What a historic day. The bombshells. He's underwater. He feels the walls closing in. Turning point. We may be at a tipping point. It's the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. Another bombshell. 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 This is a bombshell. Now, it is. One of the results of that mainstream media hysteria is that the media have destroyed their credibility. The people don't just don't trust them now. And not just on political topics, but on anything. A few months ago, Gallup released a study that found that the media ranks dead last on public trust. Beneath Congress, beneath the president, beneath your state government, they rank dead last. Now, here on Actionable Intelligence, we work to cut through the noise to bring you the truth. We work to bring you the hard facts. And joining us tonight to break it all down are two people who've been following this from the very beginning. Victoria Tenzing, former Deputy Assistant Attorney General under President Reagan, and Joe DeGenova, a former U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia. Guys, it's great to have you on with us. Great to be you know, with Eric, you. I just can't resist saying there was one of those guys who was 
serving out his term, Michael Avenatti, in prison. And Chris yeah. Matthews resigned in disgrace. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And Trump's still standing. <laughs> and, tr and Trump's still standing. Now, for, for our viewers, we're going to have some time in this segment and the next. But let's begin. One of the things that both of you have pointed out, you've been following this for a long time, is that this story really begins with the Obama administration spying illegally on Americans. Uh, take us there and, and help to explain that to our audience. Yes, the Obama DOJ, FBI, and CIA were illegally spying on Americans since at least 2014. And how do we know that? Because there was one spy agency that didn't go along with it, and that was mm. the NSA. Mike Rogers, who is a hero of this piece, uh, went to the FISA court and said, something's wrong here. There's private contractors getting information, and I don't know what's going on. And the FISA court looked into it and wrote a scathing opinion criticizing the Obama administration and cutting off these private contractors. And do you know what happened within a few weeks of that? The DNC and Hillary Rodham Clinton hired Fusion GPS, who in turn hired the former British spy, uh, uh, Christopher Steele, to get information from foreigners to make dirt on President Trump. And that's how the whole thing started. So we, in just about the minute that we have left in this segment, and again, we'll, we'll follow through um, just after the break. But so what Americans should understand is that the Obama administration was spying on Americans. And then that's illegally. Spy, Ill illegally spying on Americans. And then that spying came to an end. After that, that's when the Clinton campaign turns and begins their work to dig up dirt on President Trump and begin the Russia collusion hoax. Is that right, Joe? What they tried, exactly. Once they could no longer get the illegal, illegal material from the NSA databases, when the FBI contractors were cut off, mm. that's when they decided, okay, let's get FISA warrants on members of the Trump campaign. And that's where the Carter Page FISA warrant started right. since they couldn't get it any other way. Beautiful. Folks, you're gonna wanna stay with us. Victoria and Joe have been following this story from the beginning. We're gonna break it all down with them right after the break. Stay right with us. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. We're here with Victoria Tenzing and Joe DeGenova, who are breaking down for us the beginnings of the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. So guys, you were explaining how it was actually the Clinton campaign who paid for and began disseminating the information that started the whole Trump-Russia collusion hoax. Break that down for our audience, if you would, please. Well, in other words, the Clinton people colluded with persons from Russia to frame Donald Trump, but they couldn't get anyone to, to print this dossier uh, or to publish it, so they concocted a plan. James Comey would brief the president about the dossier, and then 
certain media were told, hey, the president was briefed on it. So that way that was a leg uh, to print the story about the dossier and all the dirt that was in it. And Joe, we now have evidence that this was actually the Clinton campaign paid for this and actually went out and got people to manufacture this, this fake uh, set of information, rumor, and innuendo. Is that right? That's correct. They, uh, the Clinton campaign hired the law firm Perkins Coie in Washington, D.C., who hired Fusion GPS, who then hired Nellie Orr, who was the wife of Bruce Orr, a senior Justice Department official. They then hired Christopher Steele, who worked on as a former MI6 intelligence officer for the UK. Right. He allegedly knew a lot about the Russians. He went out and got a bunch of blather information from bars and places, none of which was verifiable, none of which has ever been verified by anybody, and created 18 memorandums which contained nothing but falsehood about the president and or about candidate Trump and then President Trump. Yeah, so again, just to break this down for the audience, you've got the Clinton campaign paying for dirt to be written about then-candidate Trump, and that information then becomes the very basis for what becomes the whole Trump-Russia collusion hoax. That's um, exactly right. And, 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 and not one member of the mainstream media had a problem about publishing this and, and talking about it and making the accusations, not a one. Well, and, and one of the things that was striking, it's one of the reasons why, why we played that, that earlier video, is that this was constant. And a lot of our viewers will remember for years, you heard it from CNN, from MSNBC, it was in the Washington Post, and they were hitting this Trump-Russia collusion story day after day after day. And the fact is that the FBI themselves concluded at the end of all of this that there was no evidence. The president was exonerated. But then, right after that, the Democratic-controlled House then turns to impeach the president over Ukraine. Talk with the audience a little bit about that move. Well, that involved a plant inside the White House by the name of Eric Cheramella and uh, in Colonel Vindman uh, of somebody else on the National Security Council, both of them. And what they did was they claimed that the, one of them heard something on the phone call uh, that sounded like something that should not occur between a president and the leader of a foreign country. Mm -hmm. Well, the transcript of, of the phone call revealed that the phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky was perfectly proper and didn't involve anything untoward. But but the, the game was afoot at that point. And the plant from the CIA, Eric Charamella, mm -hmm. who knew nothing about the call, had been informed about it by Vindman and others, made the complaint, was the whistleblower, and uh, then we had an impeachment based on a false story. And it was based on a statute that didn't even apply to the president of the United States. It really had to do with if there was mischief in something that was going on in the intelligence community. The president of the United States is not a member of the intelligence community. He, he yeah. just runs it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then so, I, I just it, step it, out of whole cloth. And, it, but we learned then, didn't we, Eric, to yeah. believe anybody who was in the military. Right. Like Bobulinski? Oh, no, no, just Colonel Vin. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that was striking is I remember reading, and in fact, I think a lot of Americans actually went out when they had the opportunity to, and they actually read the transcript of that phone call, and they said, as you said, like, there's nothing here. 
This is the basis for an impeachment hearing of the President of the United States. It was just clearly a Democratic Congress that was that was really running uh, out of control. Now, one of the things that has happened, though, is that we've had, unlike the Russia collusion hoax, there's very clear evidence about Hunter Biden, Vice President Biden's son, profiting, the Biden family profiting, while Vice President Biden was serving in the Obama administration and getting paid from foreign sources, especially in the Ukraine. Give us your take on that. Well, what we know is that from the time that Joe Biden was a senator, through his tenure as vice president of the United States, he ran a pay-to-play operation with his family. He would set up meetings uh, with individuals in foreign governments and foreign corporations, and the family would then conduct business with those people and receive huge sums of money sums of which would then be funneled, laundered through the family, usually Hunter Biden, Biden as the chief launderer of the money, and he would then distribute it to members of the family, including Joe Biden. And the mainstream media has refused to deal with this story because they don't like the president and they want Joe Biden to be president. But this was a clear pay-to-play money laundering scheme that went on for years. The evidence now is overwhelming that there needs to be a federal grand jury investigation of this conduct. And we don't have to go any further than just knowing for sure what's admitted, that that Hunter Biden sat on the board of Burisma right. just right. a few weeks. He got this job, this position, just a few weeks after, number one, his father was put in charge of Ukraine and Burisma's yeah. Ukraine company. And just a few weeks after, he was kicked out of the military for drug usage, and he was being paid yeah. $83,000 a month to have a position about an industry, the energy industry, that he knew nothing about and couldn't speak Russian or Ukrainian. So that in and of itself is just so mind-boggling and such a, just a conflict of interest and forget, you know, that it was improper and illegal that uh, you can't you can't even get by that. And the, and the uh, mainstream media is just sort of ho-hum, oh yeah, well, nothing to see here for $83,000 yeah, a month. I'm, I mean, one of the things that's striking is that you ask the average American you see, look, the vice president's son admitted he knew nothing about Ukraine. They admitted that he knew nothing about the gas industry. And yet he and his partners are raking in hundreds of thousands of dollars while Vice President Biden is in office. It's obviously suspect. But one of the things that I wanted to get your, your comments on, Victoria, you just touched on it, was how the mainstream media has refused to cover this story. We've actually seen censorship from Facebook and Twitter not allowing people to actually go out and actively promote these facts. Compare that, if you would, with what we saw in the Russia collusion hoax. Well, here we have a, a, a firsthand witness, somebody who said, mm -hmm. I was yeah. there and this is what happened. Right. And, and Joe Biden's lying about never talking with his son about business. A firsthand witness. The media never had one witness, one document, one piece of evidence whatsoever about the Russian hoax, and yet they ran with it. And on this one, they're quiet, quieting it down. The, somebody says that the biggest sin of the media is what they omit as opposed to what they say. And the other thing is, there is an actual laptop that belonged to Hunter Biden, which contains thousands of emails and texts, and unfortunately, uh, some no, films and no. photographs, which are crimes in and of themselves, according to what yeah. we're told, 
that's that categorically established that Hunter Biden was the bag man for the family and more specifically for Joe Biden. And the, the mainstream media simply doesn't want to touch that because they want Biden to be president. And even Fox Business News, the one that goes by Kennedy, went after Rudy Giuliani and said, well, you're just acting like Christopher Steele. Uh, I mean, how how embarrassing for somebody to be so unsophisticated and make such an ingenuous remark about somebody who's been a hero and a prosecutor and the, our New York, the New York mayor, the mayor of the country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how insulting. Yeah, and, and talk with you, Cam. We just in twenty seconds left. Do you think that this story is going to crack through and affect the election? Do you think that it's really helping people to see uh, the the possible uh, corruption? Uh, I think it already has. Uh, notwithstanding the efforts of Facebook and Twitter, the story has broken through on the media. Uh, people have amazing ways to use social media to communicate. Yes. It's out there. Well, guys, thank you very much, folks. It's Victoria Tenzing and Joe DeGenova, always insightful. Stick around after the break. We're going to talk about some of President Trump's accomplishments with Breitbart Entertainment editor Jerome Hudson. We'll be right back. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Reitens. Now, since day one of the Trump administration, the president made it his goal to strengthen the American economy. And four years later, the results are in, and a lot of them are pretty striking. When you take a look at the manufacturing industry here in America, that's where you start to see the proof. Since December of 2017, the Trump administration has overseen the addition of over 460,000 manufacturing jobs. To put that in context, that's more than six times the amount added in Obama's last two years in office. Now, that's just one of many facts that are covered in a great, great new book called 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know About President Trump. And thankfully, today we're joined uh, by the author, Jerome Hudson. Jerome, pleasure to have you on with us. Thank you so much for having me. So, Jerome, 50 things. Let us know, what was the first chapter uh, that you wrote? Yeah, I talked about how Democrats and the political media were actually fantasizing about the impeachment of Donald Trump in March 2016. New York Daily News ran the headline, Impeach Trump. It was just six uh, words in the article. It's not too early to start. Well, it was by 10 months because he wasn't inaugurated until January 2017, March of 2016, when that headline ran. Donald Trump wasn't even the Republican nominee for president. It just allowed me uh, to sort of set the landscape uh, for the type of media that President Trump inherited. Uh, if you knew that the political press was already fantasizing about his impeachment, and of course they weren't uh, actually... Uh, you know, caring about reporting his accomplishments. 
Now, one of the things that you also touch on, Jerome, which I think is really important, is you touch on how blue-collar families benefited under President Trump as compared to the richest 1% in the country. Talk, talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you're talking about the, 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 the top 1% uh, of households, um, blue-collar wages rose three times uh, as much under this president. Um, you're talking about the, the bottom 25% of wage earners. That represents 82% of the population. They saw their wages rise uh, by 4.5% under President Trump between November 18 and November 2019. You'd have to go, uh, Eric, all the way back to July of 2008 to see that type of growth. Um, it was something that all the smartest people in the world predicted that the economy would collapse right. should President Trump win the election, and the exact opposite happened. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I think is, is powerful about your book, Jerome, is that you also talk about the fact that this is kind of broad-based and diverse prosperity across America. And you've got some powerful statistics about women-owned businesses as well. Sure. Um, the businesses that were started by women in 2018 and 2019 hit a historic high. Um, what's interesting about that, Eric, is that in 2018, black women uh, represented 42% of all net new uh, businesses wow. opened in, uh, per day. What's interesting about that, obviously, uh, black women uh, supported mm -hmm. President Donald Trump's candidacy the least of any uh, a group in the country. But the good news is, the irony is, is that they benefited the most from his economic policies. Right. And also, and the effect of this was broadly distributed. I mean, you've got also some compelling stats in there about median household income and how that also changed under the under the Trump presidency. Yeah, actually, I uh, the, the figures that I had at the time of writing were actually a little bit lower mm. uh, than numbers that the Federal Reserve put out uh, just last month, median household income hitting a record high. I mean, just the president blowing out his 2017 and 2018 records, it hit uh, $68,700 median income, uh, household income uh, in 2019. Again, it just, I mean, you even had Millard, uh, Willard Mitt Romney uh, joining Paul Krugman saying that there's no way that the president would actually be able to expand the economy. And time and time again, he proved the naysayers wrong. Well, he, he certainly pr proved them wrong on, on a lot of different fronts. And, you know, one thing that's obviously gotten a lot of attention recently was the uh, was Amy Coney Barrett becoming another Supreme Court justice. And in the book, you actually write about Trump's impact on the judiciary. It's going to be sweeping and, and lasting for generations. I mean, if you think about it, a third of the sitting justices on the Supreme Court are President Trump's nominees. The left likes to castigate him as a hater of women. One third of his nominees is actually a woman in uh, justice, now Justice uh, Barrett. Uh, and she actually rose, Eric, out of the circuit court uh, ranks. Uh, which right. a lot of uh, experts say is where the policy uh, is important. Um, this president, uh, and with the help of Senator uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, you know, filling the seats of, of of a record number of the circuit court justices. You'd have to go back 40 years uh, to the Reagan administration to see these kinds of gains. 
Great. And hey, and finally, Jerome, if I could get you to comment briefly, one of the things that Joe Biden said in the last presidential debate was that he wanted to transition away from oil. In fact, under Trump, you know, America became a net exporter of natural gas and crude oil for the first time in more than 50 years. You write about that in the book. Put that in some historical context for us, if you could, briefly. Yeah, you'd have to go all the way back to 1959 on the uh, natural gas number and uh, 1949 on the on the crude oil number. It didn't happen under the Obama-Biden administration. It happened yeah. uh, right after President Trump's tax cuts and regulations. When, Jerome, when I think we're going to have to we, tell me yeah. we're going to have to cut it there. But folks, it's Jerome Hudson, 50 things they don't want you to know about President Trump. Uh, make sure to stay right with us. After this, we're going to be here with Pastor Daryl Scott, and then we'll take you to the Trump rally. Stay right with us. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens, and I'm really happy to welcome our special guest, Pastor Daryl Scott. Pastor Scott was one of the first African-American pastors to support President Trump in 2016. And he was a key figure in leading other African-American pastors to attend meetings at Trump Tower with then-candidate Donald Trump. He's the author of a new book, Nothing to Lose, Unlikely Allies in the Struggle for a Better Black America. Pastor Scott, really great to have you on with us. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me, man. It's always my pleasure. Hey, my pleasure. So talk with us a little bit, Pastor Scott, about President Trump's achievements on behalf of African-Americans. This was a big issue that came up in the last debate. You know, um, I like to say now in, in, in retrospect, looking at uh, Donald Trump since he first announced his candidacy until now, and I'll say this much regarding his interaction with the black community, he underpromised and overperformed. Mm. He made a statement, which is where I got the title for my book from, when he said, what do you have to lose by voting for me? Because during the 2016 uh, campaign, we had the black community in a collective uproar over the mm. condition uh, that it was in, you know, yes. that we were in. And, you know, Donald Trump was saying, well, if the condition is that bad after eight years of a black president, what do you have to lose by voting for me? If you, right. if you guys are saying it's this bad, how, how, how much bad can he get? So he underpromised but he overperformed. And you know what I like? His initiatives were not the result of fulfilled campaign promises. Mm -hmm. They caught everybody out of the blue. They were mm. amazing and surprising at the same time. Bam, criminal justice reform. Bam, prison reform. Bam, urban revitalization initiatives. Bam, opportunity zones. Then he did some ceremonial initiatives, such as designating Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthplace right. as a national landmark pardoning the first black heavyweight champion posthumously in Jack Johnson. Then he comes right back again. Boom, now we have the Opportunity Zones and yes. uh, the Platinum Plan. You know, he's just been doing it again and again and again and again and again. He's closing his detractors' mouths. You know he's doing a great job when other people are trying to take credit for it. Right. But once again, you had historic low levels of unemployment in the African-American community. You saw him do historic levels of funding 
for HBCUs. These are things that our prior president could have done but didn't do. But this president, like I said, he underpromised, he overdelivered. He's been the most proactive president regarding the black community that I know of in my lifetime. And, and it's and a very, very pleasant surprise. It, it's, it's, a long, it's a long history of achievements. And for all of our viewers, HBCUs are historically black colleges and universities. The president has had a lot of presidents of those historically black colleges and universities with him in the Oval Office. And he's made some really historic, historic strides there. Now, Pastor, one of the things that, that you've always done, which I really appreciate, is you always kind of step back and take a wider historical view. Try and if you can, for our viewers, put what you believe to be President Trump's achievements in the context of history as you look back over other presidents uh, in, in, the, in the past generation. Well, you know, I was born in Eisenhower's administration, so I've, Donald Trump is the 12th president that I've lived under. And to me, once again, he's been the most proactive president regarding the black community. And the reason I say that is this. When I say proactive, I'm saying that his initiatives were not birthed out of social unrest, political mm. pressure. You know, we had Lyndon Johnson, who reluctantly signed the Civil Rights Bill, but it was the result of political pressure and social upheaval, social unrest. But you see, President Trump's initiatives were not the result of that. They were proactive rather than reactive. So in that particular context, I would say that he's been more favorable toward the black community than any other president since yeah. the Emancipation Proclamation. Now, uh, Pastor, ever since I... we, we, we gained citizenship status, he's been more uh, proactive towards the black community than any other president that I can think of. Very good. And now, now a lot of people disagree with that. One of them is Vice President Biden. I want to play a little clip for you and get your reaction to what Vice President Biden says right here. America was an idea, an idea. We hold these truths to be self-evident. We've never lived up to it, but we've never walked away from it before. And I just think we have to be more honest and let our kids know as we raise them what actually did happen. Acknowledge our mistakes so we don't repeat. So, so Pastor Scott, what, what's your reaction to Vice President Biden being critical of the president's record, uh, especially with African-Americans? Joe Biden needs to shut up about anybody's record concerning African-Americans. You know, he's been uh, one of the main uh, antagonists towards the black community throughout his Senate career going back decades. You know, here's a guy, you know, when they ask President Trump about disavowing and condemning white supremacy, Joe Biden is the one they need to talk to because he mm. had known friendships and associations with uh, uh, um, high-ranking members of the Ku Klux Klan and noted segregationists. You're talking about a guy who said he didn't want his children to grow up in a racial jungle with blacks. You're talking about a guy that was the architect of that crime bill that disproportionately incarcerated uh, black men and decimated the black community and the family structure mm. of the black community. You know, it just goes back decades with him. Uh, even Well, it goes back weeks and months with him. He said the reason he was able to survive in the basement was because of the black women that stocked the shelf. He said, if you don't vote for him, you ain't black. He has a long history of antagonism towards the black community. He called us predators that needed to be taken off the streets. Conversely, with Donald Trump, they painted this nightmare scenario back in mm. 2016. Oh, my God. If Trump is elected, the black we're going to be... Slavery is coming back. We're going back into slavery. We're going to all be shipped back to Africa. But the black community, the lives of the members of the black community have been enhanced 
because of Donald Trump's presidency. They haven't, it hasn't been harmed in any way, form, or fashion. And so I say that too, uh, the members, my fellow members of the black community. Your life is better under a Donald Trump presidency than it was under a Barack Obama presidency. And it's not going to get worse. It's going to get even better if we continue uh, with the initiatives that he's endeavoring to advance right now. But Joe Biden is a big hypocrite. Flip-flop, Joe. He flip-flops on everything. He'll sit there and say something one day and the next day say he never said it. Maybe he doesn't remember that he said it, but it's on tape, Joe. We got you on that. No, Pastor Scott, very briefly, we've only got about 20 seconds left. I have to guess and imagine that for you, right, you are always a lightning rod for criticism because you've been willing to courageously stand up, talk about what you believe and what you believe is best uh, for the African-American community. Talk a little bit about how you've survived those attacks uh, from the mainstream media and others. But you know what? Most of my attacks came from the black community. And mm. as a result of President Trump's positive initiatives, the attacks of less, I rarely get them anymore. I don't get the derogatory racial slurs that I used to wake up to every day. I don't get the, 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 the different things, the names that they were calling me because of the positive achievements of yes. President Trump. Well, in Pastor 2016, Scott. I pointed forward. In 2020, I can point backward. Awesome. Folks, the book is Nothing to Lose, Unlikely Allies in the Struggle for a Better Black America. Stay right with us. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. There's just a few days left before the 2020 election comes to a close. And President Trump has been making campaign stops in key battleground states. Right now, the president is speaking in Goodyear, Arizona. Let's go ahead and take a listen. That's a lot of people. Thank you very much. Wow, thank you very much. And hello, Goodyear. Hello, Phoenix. Six days, can you believe this? Six days from now, we are going to win Arizona, and we are going to win four more years in our great, beautiful White House. A vote for me is a vote for massive tax cuts regulation cuts, fair trade, strong borders. Our Second Amendment, we will save our Second Amendment. And American energy independence. It's a vote to support our police, our military, stand up to China, which we've been doing. They gave $28 billion to our farmers. That's very nice. Thank you very much, China and ensure more products that are proudly stamped with that beautiful phrase, made in the USA. We will deliver record prosperity, epic job growth, 
and a safe vaccine that eradicates the virus. The China plague is what it is and quickly ends the pandemic. Normal life, which is what we want. We just want normal life. Like we had seven months ago. We'll fully resume, and next year we will be the greatest economic power. We are going to be stronger than we've ever been before, and you see that all happening. Next year will be the best economic year in our country's history, and last year was. And then we were interrupted. We were interrupted called Make America Great Again, Again. A vote for Joe Biden, Sleepy Joe, is a vote for the biggest tax hike in history. I've never seen this before. A man is campaigning on the fact that he's going to raise your taxes. I haven't seen They're going to crush regulations. It will be crushing. You have no idea what they want to do. We took off more regulations than any administration in the history of our country. They are going to put those regulations back. And all they do is cause waste and a lot of other problems. Slash Medicare and Social Security. And they want to abolish American energy. You know what he said? No fracking. He said, no fracking. Until he went to Pennsylvania, then he said, maybe we can frack. His people won't let him frack, and Joe doesn't have any clue where he is. You know that. Where am I? Where am I? What state am I in? He's only got it wrong about seven times. Where am I? Is this Arizona or is this Nevada? Where am I? Tell me, where am I? Is this Iowa? Oh, 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 it's very hot. I know where I am. This is Florida, isn't it? No, Joe. No, Joe. A vote for Biden is a vote for open borders, offshoring jobs, shredding the Second Amendment, confiscating your guns, and eliminating private health care. 180 million people on private health care. It's called bye-bye. And they love their private health. All right, folks. Well, after the break, we'll take a look at what's breaking on just the news. We'll also be honoring today's hero. You're watching Actionable Intelligence, and we'll be, we'll be back with you in just a minute. Hey, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. Before we go, let's take a look at one of the stories making headlines today at justthenews.com. Uh, you can see right here that Editor-in-Chief John Solomon has a powerful report where he breaks down the seven uncomfortable realities facing Joe Biden as Election Day draws near. Uh, first, from the vice president appearing to have a conflict of interest to potential security concerns were he to win the election. You'll find all the details at justthenews.com. Now, as you know, this is a country built by real American heroes. And here on Actionable Intelligence, we honor the men and women who serve on the front lines. Every night we share stories of courage and sacrifice of sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, friends and neighbors. And our story tonight is a story of the sacrifice made by Matthew Axe Axelson. I knew Matt. We were in the same Buds class 237. He was not only a great Navy SEAL, but he was a great friend. 
On June 28, 2005, Axe sacrificed his own life so that his teammate would survive. It happened on a mission, Operation Red Wings, that is considered by many one of the single hardest days in naval special warfare history. But in the chaos, Axelson proved that he was a true American hero, that nothing, not even multiple gunshot wounds, would keep him from performing his duties. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, and for that sacrifice, he was awarded the Navy Cross. Today, his memory lives on thanks to the efforts of his mother, Donna Axelson, other loved ones, and the Matt Axelson Foundation. <clears throat> and here, we remember Axe and all those who serve and sacrifice on the front lines. God bless you, and have a great night.